All right, I got a word for you all this morning. Praise God. Trying to encourage me, and all I said was, I got a word. Chuck, isn't that great? Praise God. Well, if I'm going to set a timer, I might as well hit start. My goal is 20 minutes, but I have never hit it yet, so just, just saying. Uh, I have a message that I want to deliver to you today, and sometimes I like to share the story of how a message comes to pass in my heart. And, and, and quite frankly, in many respects, I struggle a little bit with the message for this week. And every day, you know, we're kind of on a journey together for the Tear Up Your Bible, Bible reading program. And so uh, part of the, tear up, the concept behind Tear Up Your Bible is it's not just read it and check off the daily reading, but it's to take a journey somewhere along the scripture that just moves you and, and you feel like you need to write some notes on or study or whatever. And so I always keep a black journal uh, available when I'm doing that. So if there's a scripture that really sparks me, uh, I'll write that scripture text down. And then later on, I'll come back and say, well, I'm going to take a little journey here and see where that's leading. And so there was one specifically for one day and I thought, wow, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. That'll preach. That'll preach. And so I tr started trying to write a message around that, and I got one page of notes written, and, and it was like, yeah, that's not, that's not it. Uh, and so the next day, two days came along, and I'm sitting down, Michael, and uh, I'm kind of doing that again on a scripture that I had written down. And, Ooh, that one's really cool. That, that one will preach for sure. And uh, so I started studying, and I wrote like a page and a half of notes. Uh, with scripture references and some ideas and so forth and so on. And then it was like, oh, that's not it either. And, uh, and can I tell you by then, you know, it's kind of frustrating, right? Sure. right. Uh, because then it's Friday and Saturdays or Sundays two days away. And so I came in yesterday, uh, Sunday, uh, Friday morning, excuse me, uh, and for the sole purpose of finishing up one of those messages. Are you with me? Now, I prayed, so I knew that at some point the Lord was going to say, you know, this one. And so I, but then I couldn't, I couldn't get anywhere, Chuck. I was like trying to write a note down and nothing would come. And I said, well, I'll just do my tear up the Bible for now. And so I got my Bible reading program. And of course, there was another scripture that sparked my attention. And I went, oh, well, I'll, maybe that, that'll preach, <laughs> you know? And uh, so I started my journey and I started writing notes and it just started coming out of me. And I got to a certain point in my preparation and I looked up a scripture reference for that point in my preparation on the now third message. And it was the same text that I had written a bunch of Bible study notes on, on the first scripture. And I'm like, Oh, so that wasn't a standalone message. It's a part of this one. And uh, that same thing happened with the next day as well, that the scriptures that the Lord had taken me on a journey through were actually a part of an overarching message that he didn't give me until Friday, Dave. But all of those pieces, parts fit together. And so the word that I have you is, I want you to know that I don't get messages out of a book other than the word. I don't get messages from uh, an online sermon source. I don't get messages from the Orthodox uh, lic uh, lectionary. Uh, if you don't know what the Orthodox lectionary is, it's literally a book that's established by date that people in the Orthodox evangelical church are supposed to preach that message on that date. 
would be kind of a dry, dead church if that's how you got your messages here. Usually, usually the, the Lord ties me to the back of his white horse and drags me along until I, uh, you know, I pay attention to what he's actually trying to tell me. So I want you to know that I really believe that the words that I bring you and the words that I bring you today are from the throne room of heaven. They're not contrived, they're not contrived because it's Sunday <laughs> and I got to stand up here. So, and I always kind of uh, uh, um, angst a little, well, what should I title this message? And it's not like I'm trying to come up with a clever title, but uh, I am trying to come up with a clever title. But anyway, the title of this message is Defying the Law of Gravity. Defying the Law of Gravity. I see scrunched eyebrows right now. They're like, is this going to be a rapture message? Some of you would like that, but that's not what it's going to be. No, so let's get, shall we go? I gave you an introduction to how we got right here. Let's get into it. Uh, the Wright brothers, they flew their, the very first powered airplane flight in December 17th, 1903. It stayed in the air uh, for only 12 seconds, and it flew for just a little under 120 feet. It didn't last very long. But the Wright brothers, they believed that it was possible to build a plane that had the wings to the certain pitch and angle that that plane could potentially defy the law of gravity. The law of gravity, you know, in the physical realm we have the law of gravity. We know what it is, the simple definition is what goes up must come down, right? That, that's the simple thing. So we, we might call that an axiom of life as well. In other words, it's just, it's something that's just, it, this is a part of the nature of life. The, the, the world revolves around an axis that's slightly tilted to the north and to the south pole. It's an axiom of nature. It's just something that's always there. Are you with me? And of course, we, we experienced the law of gravity a few minutes ago when this 64-year-old man could not get up from the bottom chair, uh, seat, the step down there. So we know that that's true. Well, there's also a spiritual law of gravity as well. And in the Bible, it's known as the law of sin and death. And it is an axiom of, in the spirit realm. It's an axiom of life as well, that sin always has some consequence to it in life. You, you break the law by speeding, you get a ticket. I mean, it's, it's an axiom of life. You you rob somebody, you go to jail. I mean, it just, you know what I'm saying? So there, it's, a, it's a law of life, if you will. And so it's interesting, though, that God in his amazing omniscience, knowing everything, says, I have a plan uh, that can defy the law of sin and death. And that plan is going to be done through my son, Jesus Christ, and it's going to bring about a new law in life, and, and when I say law, I'm not talking about the law from the Old Testament. I'm talking about an axiom of life, like the law of nature, right? The law of physics, et cetera. And uh, he, through his son, said, we'll alter this whole thing, and we'll bring about the law of the spirit of life into pe for people's lives. Because how many know there's, no, it, there's, there's nothing cool about living under condemnation of sin? And as believers, we're not supposed to, that shouldn't be shouldn't be named among us that as believers, 
that we are condemned. We feel condemnation. Now, this is not a user-friendly, seeker-sensitive, I want to make you feel good message particularly, but I'm coming to the belief and understanding that none of us should ever have condemnation be a part of our Christian nature, part of our Christian life. So then you have to ask the question, well, then why are we? Well, Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 2 says, therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do, who do not walk according to the flesh, but walk according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. Through the death and resurrection of His Son, Jesus Christ, Father God altered the gravity-like law of sin and death that has held people down in bondage, in the bondage of condemnation for far too long. I, I don't want to have a church where people are constantly feeling condemned. Now, understand, there's a difference between someone making you feel condemned and the Holy Spirit bringing conviction into your life, because the Holy Spirit will do that work in our lives still to convict us of our wrongs, because the wages of sin is still death. That, now, I'm going to get deeper into that in just a minute, but Every sin has some kind of consequence in our life. And for sometimes, sometimes the, the only consequence, which is bad enough, is that you feel somehow not as in fellowship with God as you normally do when you find yourself more in fellowship with your earth suit and your carnal mind and so forth and so on. Is everybody okay? Are you all with me? All right, so uh, we've gotten the freedom to defy the law of gravity, not this is a metaphor. The gravity, the thing that holds us down in the law of sin and death, and we've been made free by Christ because of what he did to bring us about this freedom through the law of the spirit of life. Now, we like that part, but yet we don't seem to want to walk in that other part. There is therefore now no condemnation. Thank you for your enthusiasm. See, you're looking at what in the world is he talking about today? Maybe he should have started the fourth message. So, as I've said, we know that there are earthly consequences for bad choices. And I know I'm not alone in this group of people. We've all made some bad choices in life. Okay? My wife always says we're all here together in various stages of disrepair. We all got broken stuff. From, from our past and so forth and so on. But, uh, you know, when, when we sin, for example, praise God that we don't experience the deserved punishment. Because the deserved punishment of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. But death fell on Jesus instead. Death, because, because death fell on Jesus instead, death doesn't fall on you and me. Now, now understand, there's still consequences for our bad choices in life. That, that's an axiom. <laughs> it's a law of life. There's bad choices for bad decisions. I'm sorry, there's bad consequences for bad choices. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. And so it says, He, being God, made Him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. So, Father God in His plan to defy 
gravity, uh, says, I have a plan. Metaphorically, I'm going to build an airplane. It's going to be my son, Jesus Christ, and he's going to have everything that's necessary to defy this law of sin and death, and he's going to bring to my children the law of life in the Spirit of God. And because of that, there should be no condemnation in their systems. Well, it goes against the grain of a lot of teaching because a lot of preachers have tried their best to keep Christians as condemned as possible so they can do whatever they need to do. But I'm, I, don't want, I just want to follow God, and, and I'm learning this myself. I mean, I'm, God is teaching me new things all the time. And because of Father's God, Father God's love for us, he sent his son, Jesus, to die for us. I don't know that this message could be any more fundamentally, fundamentally a gospel message than it is going to be. He died in our place. If he hadn't died... Death would be the wage of our sin, but he took upon his shoulders our sins as though they were his sins. He was completely innocent, he was completely guiltless, he was holy, and he was completely pure. He never violated a single part of the law whatsoever, and yet he became the sin offering that defied the law of sin and death giving us the law of the spirit of life. He became, if you will, the law of gravity so we could fly. Are you following me? All right. Now, the work that Jesus Christ did at the cross of Calvary, you need to know this. It's a finished work. It's a finished work. We like that. Yeah, it's in, it is finished. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm still somehow getting saved. God bless you. It's a finished work. Say it's a finished work. All right. Well, is it or isn't it? If it's a finished work, it's a one-time work. If it's a finished work, it's not a work that Jesus needed to do again because you were so bad that the first work, the finished work, didn't work. And because you've walked so far away from God, somehow you feel like he needs to cover you with his blood again, and he needs to die again or whatever. I, listen, I lived that. I told you all before that I was a chronic backslider. I was a chronic backslider who came to the point one time that I said, I can't come back to you, Lord, unless I get myself fixed, because there was a sense in my spirit that I was nailing him to the cross one more time. What? Impossible, because he only got nailed to the cross one time and shed his blood one time so that I didn't have to be under that condemnation of the weight of the gravity-like weight of the law of sin and death. I could now rise on eagle's wings and soar because of the law of life in the Spirit of God. Amen. Many of us don't grasp it. It took me years to swallow this because I'm stubborn I don't know because God's still working on me absolutely okay do not stick a fork in me I'm not done yet okay and you should be grateful for that so the work of Jesus Christ and you need to know that Jesus didn't have to die every year to atone 
for our annual sins. That's a reference back to the Old Testament form of sacrifice to atone, atone, say atone. Atone is a word that's actually not used uh, many times. In fact, I don't think it's used at all in the New Testament in relationship to what Jesus Christ did at the cross of Calvary. Because that simply is a way whereby your sins are covered up. And in the Old Testament means that was one time a year. So he, he didn't come to just atone for our sins. He died one time to, cut, to take away all of our sins for all time. Really? And quite frankly, when I preached that message a few weeks, a few weeks ago, similar parts of this, a number of people went, really? He'll never die again. He'll never shed his blood again. It was a one-time sacrifice for all mankind for all time. Or it's not a finished work. Are you hearing me? Because it's a finished work, Lynn, every single sin that you've ever committed will commit today, potentially, or will commit in the future, have already been taken away in the eyes of God, covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? You're completely free, all of you here. You, if you are believers, disciples, and I didn't say casual Christians by label, because there's a whole lot of folks who really haven't had an authentic salvation experience. They've simply gone through the motions to feel better about their lives. I still believe that. That there's got to be times that, that as, I, as I called it on Wednesday night, that aorist imperative where there's a moment of decision that says, as for me and my life and as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord lock, stock, and barrel. It's not, it's not part-time and it's not part of me and it's not, well, I, I'll just do this and I won't do that and, I, and, and so forth and so on. When are we going to really grab a hold of the fact that it's a finished work? That you don't have to be condemned. I don't have to feel condemned. 1 Peter chapter 3.18 says, For Christ also suffered for sins once for all time. I did not make that up. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all time the just for the unjust. He was the just. He was the righteous for those of us in humanity who were unrighteous and unjust so that he might, and I like this, this is the scripture that I had in, I think, my second notes where I went, oh, this will preach, and I didn't, couldn't write a message around it. He did this so that he might bring us to God. Okay? Pause real quick. We're going to pray. We, for those of you who may be visiting today at 12 o'clock every day, we... We say a prayer, so I'm going to go ahead and do that. We curse COVID and any malignant and malicious and other maligned activity of disease that may try to propel an agenda across America. We curse every demonic, diabolic activity that tries to bring in Marxist socialism to overthrow the freedoms that we have as a country. And we prayed for every single person that's either affected right now or has been affected in some way, shape, or manner by the disease of coronavirus. Everybody say amen. amen. 
So the law of sin and death-defying sacrifice of Jesus Christ was for the, pur- for the purpose of bringing us back to God. So when that hit me, I went, wow, oh, you know, you think, well, haven't you read that before? Yes, I've read it before, and I've probably seen it before, but Friday the Lord went, spotlight! He died, the one finished work, one time to Calvary, one time shed his blood in order, yes, it, what the, the result of that was to take away my sins, but he did it in order to bring us back to God. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, time, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us back to God. That's pretty simple and, and straightforward about what it's saying. It was for the purpose of restoring fellowship with the Father that was broken by Adam and Eve when they sinned in the Garden of Eden. You see, now, when a person accepts Christ, truly has a salvation experience, that life is different now, things are different now, you receive Christ as Lord and Savior, then you are also receiving that one-time sin offering of Christ, and thereby you will find yourself in a restored relationship, in a restored fellowship with God. Now, many people don't understand what that, I get it, don't understand what that looks like or how to navigate that, but you know how you navigate it? One step at a time. All right? People work out their own salvation with fear. That was scripture. People work out their own salvation, walk out their salvation in fear and trembling. That's about understanding what Christ did for you. I've had a long journey of trying to understand what Christ did for me. And I've had it wrong many times. And I believe God's just showing me a beautiful way of looking at his scriptures and his sacrifice that brings freedom to us. When a person accepts and receives Christ as Lord, they are accepting everything that happened in the finished work. Unfortunately, there's too many Christians that don't live their life in the fullness of a restored fellowship. They still feel separated from God somehow, that God's way out there and I'm way down here, lowly little worm. And God is looking badly at me when I'm bad and God looks better at me when I do some cool religious activity. That's not the case because there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You know, unfortunately, a lot of people don't live their life in the fullness of that restored relationship because, you know what, after all, I'm so sinful and I'm so stained, I'm so dirty, and, you know, the list goes on and on and on and on. And, I mean, surely it can't be true that we live in the Spirit perfected already. Surely that can't be right. Surely it can't be true that we are already permanently cleansed with no strings attached. Come on, preacher. That can't be right. Or as President Biden would say, come on, man. But, but, Hebrews 10.24, I'm sorry, Hebrews 10.14, for by one offering he has perfected for all time, those who are sanctified. Now, this sanctified isn't the old Pentecostal idea of sanctified where you go through your entire life trying to be, re- achieve sanctification. This is talking about being set apart. Being set apart for, it's not about perfection because you're already perfect. <laughs> You've been set apart for a, a holy purpose. You've been a set, set apart as part of God's ecclesia, a part of God's church. For by one offering, say one offering. one offering. He has perfected, say perfected. perfected. 
for all time. Say all time. All those, say all those, who are sanctified, who are set apart. That does not exclude you unless you haven't received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Or unless your salvation experience was not authentic at the time. And I get that. Some people have been wooed to an altar of repentance through the eloquence and or guilt-ridden words of a minister to make them have an emotional reaction based on their lifestyle and some information they're hearing. And they, they come to an altar to shake the preacher's hand, to say a sinner's prayer, and, and, and many cases walk back unchanged and, and, and fall by the wayside soon thereafter. Because there wasn't that aorist imperative, that moment of decision that this is it. This is what I'm going to do. So I wanted to expand on that scripture just a little bit for just a minute. I'm going to try not to go too long. But the word of God is so important. I get one time a week to share with you all stuff. And it would be, uh, it would be wrong for me to say, well, 20 minutes is up, so goodbye. Now, the scripture, again, was for by one offering, say one offering, he has perfected, say perfected, for all time, say for all time, those who are sanctified. Now, in order to expand on that and expound on it, uh, Jim, just a little bit further, let's take a look at the same passage through some other translations. It's actually pretty cool. The Amplified, for by the one offering, he has perfected forever and completely cleansed those who are being sanctified, sanctified in other words, bringing each believer to spiritual completion and maturity. That's our walk as Christians in this earth suit on this planet. But he's already perfected us forever and cleansed us completely. Either that's true or the word of God is a lie. And the word of God is not a lie. All right, from the contemporary English version. By his one sacrifice, he has forever set free from sin the people he brings to God. Living Bible. For by that one offering, he made forever perfect in the sight of God all those whom he is making holy. That's such a good one right there. Or how about the New King James Version? For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being set, sanctified or set apart. New Living Translation. For by that one offering he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. All right, here's my favorite one from the Passion Translation. By his one perfect sacrifice, he made us perfectly holy and complete for all time. Don't worry, don't worry, Doug. I won't actually drop the mic, but this would be a drop the mic and walk off the platform moment. Because I'm not preaching from First Rick. I'm preaching from the Word of God that says one perfect sacrifice for all time. One time he made you and I perfectly holy and completely clean for all time. Are you getting that? It goes against the grain of what many have been taught for many years. And yet I could preach this message for the rest of my life and there would still be folks that will believe that God is still angry at them. That God is angry at them for their sins. Now, Grant, don't forget, I'm not saying, you know, never fix, never take care of your sins in terms of 
uh, 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 some confession, ownership. That's about, remember I talked, talked about it as yard work. We all got some yard work to do. We are, we, God is never out of alignment with us. We get ourselves sometimes out of alignment with him through our activities here on the earth. And there are times when I got to get Rick back in alignment. And there's God waiting for me the whole time. Are you with me? And so I could preach this message forever because there's still people that feel like that somehow they've fallen out of fellowship because of their last performance or that they're somehow in fellowship because of their most recent religious performance. Or in other words, I did that so I'm not right with God now. I did that so I'm now wrong with God. Wait a minute. I can't be wrong with God. I can't be out of fellowship with God. No matter what I do, I can't be out of fellowship with God. His one-time sacrifice in the spirit, there's work to do in the mind. That's why the Bible says to renew your mind. We have a job to do to renew our minds. You can't still have your same old stinking thinking. But you and I have to have a journey in life, walking out our salvation, renewing our mind. That's why you need to keep your nose in the book and read the Bible. And when you have a true salvation experience, you don't have a leaning towards sin. You don't have a propensity to do the things that, 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 uh, that are sinful because you have a propensity and a leaning to lean in toward God. You chase after God and you no longer enjoy sin. Sin now makes you feel weird. But it should never make you feel out of fellowship. It should never make you feel like God's angry at you. Because you are, truly had a salvation experience and because you truly love God, you never want to be in that position of feeling bad in yourself. And we shouldn't feel that way anyway. And listen, do you realize that there's not a single verse? All right, you guys can go fact check me on this if you want. There's not a single verse in the Bible that talks about born again people going in and out of fellowship with him. Did you hear me? There is not a single verse in the Bible that talks about Christians going in and out of fellowship with God based on their most recent performance. Listen, he has, he has freed us from the law of sin and death. He became sin, took upon his shoulders our, our penalty, that, which was death. He took it upon our shoulder, his shoulders so that we could soar like eagles on eagles' wings in the law of the spirit of life through Christ Jesus. I wish somebody would get a hold of this. Now, some people might go, well, I guess it's okay to sin because I no longer need to feel bad. No! Even the apostle Paul said, heaven forbid, no. Why? <clears throat> if you want to chase after sin, you probably did not have an authentic salvation experience. Because if you did have an authentic salvation experience, sin would no longer make you feel good. You would not feel right about it. It would not be enjoyable. It would not be enjoyable. First Corinthians chapter one. I, some people say, well, I never did like sin when I was doing it. Well, you were doing it wrong. That's all I can say. Because <laughs> I had a lot of fun. But, <laughs> but nothing compared to who I am today in Christ. Nothing compared to the peace that I have. 
Nothing compared to the love that I feel. Nothing compared to the joy that I'm able to walk in in my daily life. Nothing. There's no high like the most high. 1 Corinthians 1, 9, I'm getting ready to wrap it up. God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. I want to close now. All of you can, in the back can go, hallelujah. <laughs> if I can have the, uh, oh no, we're going to do a video here in a minute. If you guys got that video, if our prayer team would come forward, I'm going to get ready or get ready to come forward. Uh, we'll have, uh, are you going to keep the camera back there or are you going to bring it up? Okay, so that means we can go over here to this side, someone in front of the steps here. I'll take position in the front here and then a couple people over here. God has presented to us a new covenant. God is calling us into a new way. And we may think that it's somehow spiritual to analyze ourselves in the light of our sins. I failed, I failed God in this capacity today, and now you're analyzing your entire being based on that failure. We may think that dwelling in our sin and doing some form of guilty penance will somehow cause God to be more pleased with us. You can do guilty penance all you want. It doesn't change how much God loves you. It just changes how differently you may feel, but not how God may feel. In, in all of that, feeling like you may have to do some guilty penance or that, that you have to dwell on your sins or that you're now no longer good enough, can I help you with something? The gospel of Jesus Christ is better than that. The gospel of Jesus Christ is bigger than that. The gospel of Jesus Christ is stronger than that. Because there is now, therefore, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I said for those who are in Christ Jesus, not just those who wear the honor badge of Christian. Because there's a difference between the honor badge of Christian and a true disciple. Thank you for your enthusiasm. The gospel invites us to dwell in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Now that particular message, Mom, I've been preaching to have faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ at the cross of Calvary for the better part of 20 years. But God is helping me understand it more deeply. We are, we are welcome to obsess on the cross, but not welcome to obsess on our sin. We... Why are we remembering our sins when God has forgotten them all? Amen. Every one of us ought to go, duh. Why are we continually dwelling and focusing and remembering and, and Dave thinking about over and over our, our sins when, Chad, he's already forgotten them? So you're smarter than God? Is that the deal? So, God, you need to remember? He doesn't remember. Do you believe that or not? Or is it just some cool scripture? Yeah, it feels good, but it's not real. Michael, it's real. Why are we obsessing over our failures instead of God's success on the cross? Let me say that again. Why are we obsessing over our failures instead of God's success on the cross of Calvary through his son, Jesus Christ? Why, cannot, why can't we center our faith and the object of faith on the finished work of Jesus Christ at the cross of Calvary where it was complete, finished, done, 
everything that needed to be done. Everything that needed to be done. He's never going to do it again. He did it one time for all mankind, which includes you and me. Why are we so consumed with our own struggle that we can't take our eyes off of anything but ourselves? And we, put, we focus in, Matthew, on ourselves. I got to fix this. I got to go beller at the altar for a couple of days so God's happy with me again. Religion would say, focus on your sins. Religious, religion would say, don't forget about how bad you are because it's in how bad you are that teaches you how much you need God. That's religion. Religion would say, look at your failures. Religion would, would make you obsess over your shortcomings. Religion would make you obsess over your blunders. Religion would make you obsess over your past. And it says in the scripture that those who are in Christ Jesus have become a new creation. Old things have passed away, and he backs it up with an exclamation of, Behold! All things have become new. When are we going to understand who we truly are in Jesus Christ? What we need to do is we need to fix our eyes upon Jesus. Fix our eyes and our attention and our focus on what he accomplished at the cross of Calvary for you. He did it one time. He's never doing it again. You don't need to have a hope for him to cover your sins again. It's not like he has a blood washcloth or a washcloth dipped in his blood so that every time you sin and come repent, he comes and washes you off. No, 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 no. He's already done it. He already did it. He's already proclaimed you completely clean and forever perfect, those who are in Christ Jesus. See, the only way that you can be out of fellowship with God is to have never received him as your Savior. The only way that you can be out of fellowship with God is to have never had an authentic salvation experience. You don't believe that. The Bible says that the Lord will never leave us and never forsake us. Never means never, ever, never. If you sin in fellowship with God, you simply are sinning, dragging God into your sin experience. It's not like he stays outside the door because he never leaves you and you're never out of fellowship with him. I know this, for some people, this is like, they feel like it's a new gospel, and they're wondering if I've gone off the deep end. Yes, I have gone off the deep end. I'm so in love with Jesus. I'm so sick and tired of feeling guilty and condemned over my past and over other things. I don't want to live my life in fellowship with God based on my previous journey. I want to keep looking forward. The person who's running in a race does not look down at their feet. They look out ahead at the prize that's waiting for them. I wish people would begin to look out at the prize that's waiting for you and run your race like that. If you can believe it and receive it, give the Lord a praise again.
All right, here's what we're going to do. There's a video that's going to play because I stopped right here and I went, Lord, do you, do you have a song for me? Is there something you want me to do right here? And there was a song that came to my heart, but I knew that it wasn't a song I was to do. Brothers and sisters, it's, it's time to defy the law of gravity. It's time to defy the law of sin and death. And it's time to soar on eagle's wings of freedom that comes through the law of the spirit of life as we keep our focus on the object of our faith, which is what Jesus accomplished at the cross of Calvary. This prayer team is up here, and uh, they're going to be just here to pray with you. I'm going to stand out front here. Don't y'all just come to me. I'm not more anointed than they are. We all share the same anointing with Jesus Christ in our lives. The song is turn your turn your eyes upon. <laughs> but it, with a twist. You should expect that. So as the song is playing, I want to invite you to come and just have someone agree with you in prayer. I will guarantee you. Hang on, we can sing it in a minute, sister. I ain't done talking yet. It's all right. No, it's all right, sweetheart. You're all right. <laughs> um, this isn't about a, a dog and pony show and you jumping through the hoops to somehow make me feel better because does, that doesn't matter. And I always pray about what needs to happen at the altar invitation. I felt like it was important today to give people an opportunity to say, as I've said, I'm not walking that path anymore. I'm not going to let condemnation be part of the clothing that I wear. I'm going to drop that because Jesus did it all. Maybe, maybe there's somebody in this room today that says, I don't think I've had an authentic salvation experience. We can help you understand that and really take that journey to begin. And I'm not trying to make you doubt your salvation. That's not the, the focus. I'm just saying there's you, there's the chances that you had an, an authentic salvation experience when you came to the altar to receive Christ and then got up and kept living the same way you've always lived, there's a good chance that you did not. Because when you truly fall in love with Jesus Christ and you are in fellowship with him, you have a tendency to no longer like those things. And now you begin a journey of learning how to change those things because you want that fellowship with the Father to be so intact. But maybe some of you have lost touch with your sense of, your feelings of the fellowship of Father God you want to restore that today. I'm not asking you to focus on these folks or focus on me or focus necessarily on the video. Turn, get ready, uh, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Oh, wow. Isn't God's spirit wonderful? His grace and his mercy and his love. It feels like we can just stand in it and bask in it, you know? Be able to be in God's presence. What an opportunity this day has been to be able to worship the Lord and come in and lift a name, lift a praise to the Almighty, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Wow. Well, Corey and I are going to close the service. I'm going to close in a prayer, and she has a verse she's going to read in the, out of the Bible. and um, We're going to have a blessed day. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day, Father. I thank you for this word that you presented to us this day, Father. 
Lord, I thank you that because of Jesus Christ, Father, we have access to the throne room of God. Lord, if I just let my imagination run a little bit, I can come into the throne room of God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. I can stand before you and declare in the name of Jesus, victory. I can stand before you and declare healing. And Satan can accuse me. He's the accuser. He can come in and remind me of my past. And I can declare the blood of Jesus. And God will look over to Satan and say, be dismissed. Because the word of God reigns true and reigns real and powerful. Oh, Father, thank you that we can go forth throughout this week, Father, knowing who we are in Christ Jesus. May that revelation be increased. May we purpose, Father, to come into your throne room and speak life and speak uh, anointing and speak victory, Father. May we declare things that are going to be established in our lives, in our families' lives, in our church, on our work site, Father, whatever it may be, Father, for you have placed us here on this earth to make a difference. And if it's not through us, it's not going to get done, Father. May we do your work this day, Lord. And Father, I thank you for the blessings that you bestow upon us because we're obedient to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Number six. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. May he show his favor to you. And may he give you his peace this week. You're dismissed.